Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Log Cabin. I'm your host, Melissa. Uh, today I'm joined by North Carolina author, Sandy Brannon. Sandy and I have a close connection as she was the teacher where my daughter Gracie had her first seizure in her class. Sandy's books, Becoming Invisible and So Much Stays Hidden, have been on the top 100 list of free downloads for Amazon. They are free on Kindle Unlimited. Join me as I chat with her about her writing process, about her books, and also about teaching. So, enjoy. chats from the blog cabin today i have north carolina author and a really good friend sandy brandon here and we're going to talk about her she's going to give us a behind the scenes look of how she writes talk about her two books that are on amazon right now and just about basically life right now because she's also a school teacher so sandy why don't you introduce yourself Absolutely. Thank you, first of all, Melissa, for having me. This is fantastic. A great opportunity. And that intro. How about that? Huh? That was amazing. <laughs> Love it. Um, well, as you said, I am a writer. I'm also a wife and a mom and a grandmother. I've been married to my husband, Steve, for 35 years. We have two children, a daughter and a son and two amazing grandchildren. Don't get me started. I could talk about them all day. Um, as you said, I'm also a school teacher. I've taught for 24 years. I started out my career in elementary education, but most of my time has been spent teaching middle school. The past seven years, I've also taught high school English and my English one honors class, my freshman, is just the most fun. I thoroughly enjoy that class. Um, about myself, I'd have to really include reading and writing if I talk about myself. My family, reading was very important to us. Always had books in the house, always went to the public library. The bookmobile would come through our neighborhood and that was more fun than the ice cream truck. I don't even remember the ice cream truck, but I do remember that bookmobile. And if we ever had like a book fair at school, my mom would always make sure I had money in my pocket so I could go buy the books. And writing was also encouraged. My mother was a poet. And I always lean towards creative writing. And anytime I'd come up with anything, my dad would say to me, why don't you go write that in one of your short stories? So I have a ton of short stories from my childhood that are, you know, crazy. But he was just encouraging my creativity. Um, that's who I am. I'm a reader. I'm a writer, a teacher, a mom, all those things. Now, we know each other through kind of through my daughter, Gracie, who if you guys were watching on um, Wednesday, Miss Brandon was one of the teachers that Gracie says was her favorite teacher. Oh, um, but she also has the, I don't want to say the, the mistake, because it wasn't a mistake, but no. I actually think it was God grace that she had her first seizure in your class because you totally handled it like a pro. And you, that's how I think you 
wormed your way into our hearts was during when she had her first seizure. I'm going to tell you, Melissa, I will never forget that day. And, you know, I was thinking about it um, earlier today. I was actually reading a class novel when that happened, because, like I said, reading such a huge part of my life. And I was reading that novel. and I just happened to be watching my, you know, watching my kids like you do when you read. And I was just watching Gracie and I could just tell. But, yes, it had to be handled with finesse. Um, <laughs> it was I'll never forget that day. Let's just put it that way. That's true. Uh, we won't forget that day either. No. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about your books. Let's just tell me a general about your both your books, and then we'll get into depth about each one. Okay, sure. Um, the first book I wrote was Becoming Invisible, Absolute Labor of Love. The quilt behind me, my backdrop, was my grandmother's. It's probably about 100 years old. My um, grandmother was very dear to me. I spent every week with her, even when my children were born, I would go to my grandmother's house with them just so they could grow up around her and spend time with her. The book is a um, very rich in family history. I wrote about my family. It's a story about an elderly woman, Ella, who is patterned after my grandmother. It is a work of fiction, but there's a lot of truth woven through the story. Um, the character Catherine is my mother, based off of my mother. And it's basically a story about a woman in her latter years, she just wants to make peace. She wants to just, she wants to die happily. And she finds a box of old photographs and we're taking every chapter with her on a journey back over several decades of her life through these photographs. But more than just a story about a woman, it's a mother daughter story. It's that unique complex relationship between mothers and daughters. Um, but it's not just a book for women. I've, I've had men come up to me and tell me about how it made them think about their mothers. But I, my, my best story about becoming invisible, one of my reviews on Amazon, a lady wrote a lot of nice stuff, but she ended it by telling me that when she finished my book, she wanted to pick up the phone immediately and say to her mother, mom, I get it now. And that just touched me so much. And she went on to say that she also has a young daughter and it made her realize the importance of building memories with her daughter, which is what the book is all about, building those memories and, you know, having that mother daughter connection. Uh, my second book, So Much Stays Hidden, is not family history. It's a book I was thinking about how we only know another person to the extent they allow us to know them. And that thought just kind of kept nagging at me. Like you think, you know, your mom, you think, you know, your husband, you think, you know, your best friend, but you only know the them that they allow you to know. So I thought, what would that look like? What would that look like in a real life scenario? And so I created the characters, Jenna and Aaron. I wrote the prologue around the same time I finished Becoming Invisible. And I went ahead in the prologue and just shared Jenna and Aaron's secret. So the reader knows from the very first pages what it is. And then the whole book takes you through the ripple effect of that decision they made, that mistake they made. Um, both of my stories are sad. They're tearjerkers. You have to have some Kleenex with you when you read them. But they're stories of hope. You know, I'm a Christian and my books are Christian based. I want to share my faith. But I also want to share the hope that can be found in Jesus Romans 8.28 tells us that God works things together for our good. These books are not nice and neat and clean. Really bad stuff happens in these books, but they don't end on a depressing note. There, there's always hope no matter what situation. And that was one of my goals in, in my writing. I would say the Becoming Invisible hits home more for me because it's about the mother-daughter relationships. Right. Even though there is a mother-daughter relationship and so much stays hidden as well, but 
Yes. I mean, invisible definitely has hit home for me. I've heard that from a lot of people that they, I, a lot of people tell me they read it in one sitting and a lot of people, a lot of people tell me they cry when they read it. I've had people say, why do you write such sad books? Life can be sad. Life's not a neat little package and um, they're real books. Yeah. Now let's talk about um, the idea of becoming invisible. Like you said, it was based on your family history, a yes. little bit like fiction. Um, I know you shared with me earlier, like a couple of weeks ago about the reason, how quickly you wrote it. Tell us, tell me about, tell the, the viewers about that. Yeah, not something I recommend. And I don't really, um, I don't know that I'll ever do this again, but I actually wrote Becoming Invisible in a week. I was homesick with the flu. And the second week I stayed home, I was just recovering, still on the couch, not able to go to work or anything like that. And I'd always wanted to tell my family's story. And the real impetus behind writing Becoming Invisible was to share it with my two sisters, my sisters who share the same memories I do. And I just started writing. I started the story and I created Ella and I would write all day and I would go to bed at night thinking about what I'd written all day. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have pages just inside of me needing to come out and I'd get back on that couch to rest pull up my laptop and write as fast as I could. But yeah, I, I ended up writing the entire book in a week and then I put it away. I, I, I couldn't go back to it. I think it had to almost, uh, the word I use is marinate. It just, it just had to sit for a while. And over a period of about nine months, I would try and try to pull that book back out. I'd pull that file up my computer and I just couldn't do it. I was kind of blocked until one day when I pulled it up, I was able to read it again. I read the whole story again. I spent about a year after that. I don't want anybody to think that it was what you see now on the screen after a week. But I spent about a week, a year rather, um, editing it and rereading it and rewriting it until I got it to be the story that I wanted to tell. And when it was finished, it was finished. And I printed it last September and have been really happy with the feedback I've gotten on it. I mean, I was really surprised that you came out with a new one as quick as you did after that first one came out. Because I was like, wow, this one, I know it, a lot of heart and I mean, soul was poured into that. Yes. Because as a reader, you're crying. So I can just imagine yeah. as you're writing it, how you felt. Well, actually, so much stays hidden. I wrote the prologue around the same time I wrote Becoming Invisible. So that week, obviously writing that many words, I was in writing mode. And I was sitting there just thinking about that idea about how much do we really know about people. And I wrote the prologue. And again, I just shelved it. I, I guess that's just part of my writing style. But um, I ended up over the year or two that I worked and marinated and edited. I was working on both of the novels. I had finished Becoming Invisible. I was just critiquing it and just getting it perfect and polished. But um, so much stayed hid, stay hid and I was actually writing during that time. I didn't come close to writing it in one week like I did Becoming Invisible. But I did have one day that I sat down and wrote 7,000 words, which was quite exhausting. Again, I don't recommend it, but those words had to come out. I had that much of a story in me and I pretty much just had a day of solid writing. Um, but like I said, how, I don't recommend it as a writer. And let's talk about so much stays hidden since you've kind of veered into that already. Yeah. Okay. Well this, like I said, this novel, I just had this idea. I really, I didn't have any background for this one, like becoming invisible so much family history is in it. It was pretty easy for me to write. It's a very linear story. Every chapter you have Ella. So it was, it was very easy. I think it's easy to read, but it was also fairly easy to write. So much stays hidden. You know, it starts off with these two characters who are in college 
and you just find out something big about them within the first three or four pages. And then the book goes on from there, just goes on through decades. And I just take you through all the all the relationships these two people have over their lifetime and how that one decision and that one secret has sort of had a ripple effect and has affected so many different people and explores the idea of what do we do with these secrets? What do we do with these um, this part of us that we're not comfortable sharing and what's going to happen if we ever get to the place where we feel like we have to make a decision about that? So it, it was a it was a fun novel to write. I did edit it for about five or six months after I finished it. I finished it about the same time I sent Becoming Invisible to print. And then I spent five or six months editing it. And every time I edit, I read the entire story again. And I cried every single time except for one time. Not sure how I didn't cry that one time. But I just th their story's heart wrenching. When mm -hmm. I when I read about Jenna and Aaron, they just really touched me and what they went through. And I, I found myself crying with them, crying for them and cheering them on. And they just my characters become very real to me. Um, it was it was another fun novel to write, even though it's not a fun novel. It's a sad novel, but it was um, very enjoyable for me to write. Now, the names, are there family names that you come up with your characters or just names that you kind of pull out of a hat? I just I just pull them out. I really do. In fact, that's really funny. You should ask me that because I had written the entire draft of So Much Stays Hidden with some different names. And then when I went back and reread, I thought, mm, no, his name needs to be Luke. That name doesn't sound right. And so I went and made the edits and fixed it. And for the next several reads, it was almost like I was being introduced to somebody again. It just felt so weird because I'd gotten the characters become so real to me. But I just I just think about I don't know how to explain it. They just become real to me. And that's that's the name they have. Ella had to be Ella. Catherine had to be Catherine. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely become real because as a reader reading them, they become real to me as well. And I think I've mentioned to you before, that's totally like a Lifetime or a Hallmark movie. And I know <laughs> you said several people have told you about it's, that as well. I've heard that so much about So Much Stays Hidden. In fact, one week I heard it from, you know, a couple of people and I thought, huh, you know, that's very interesting to me that, that people are thinking that. But yeah, I have had several people say that to me, that especially about So Much Stays Hidden, which is a compliment. I think that's awesome. I love Hallmark movies. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Now let's talk about you're in the process of writing a new book. Let's talk about your writing process. Okie dokie. I sure will. You know, it's funny because I, I'm not one of those writers that would say to you, you need to know the first, the last chapter before you write the first chapter or make sure you write a thousand words a day or always write in this particular spot because that's just not how I process but now that I'm on my third novel and I've been doing this for a few years, I have seen some consistencies with my writing process. All three books are different, but I, I definitely um, come up with an idea. I come up with a theme and I kind of think on that a little bit, like so much stays hidden. The theme is kind of out there. You know, I only know Melissa to the extent she allows me to know her. You don't usually think about that about people. You just take them at face value, but we're so much more than that. And that really, really got into my thinking, like, what would that look like? So I have this idea. And then the next thing I do is I create the characters and I don't create all of them. I just create my main characters. And then I let them kind of tell the story. You know, last night I was working on my third novel, Masquerade, and I deleted a bunch of text, which is kind of scary from the writer's standpoint. 
but it no longer was true to my character. It wasn't where I thought he was going to be at that point. So I just I just switched it up because you can always write more words, but you have to write the story of the character. So I go from an idea to my characters and then the story, the plot develops itself around the story. I don't write from an outline, um, but I will tell you with this third novel, it's much more complex than my first two. And I have found that as I'm writing, I'm not writing from an outline, but as I'm writing, I'm creating an outline and I'm creating thinking maps. My students would be so proud of me. <laughs> I'm creating a list of characters, the things that I tell them to do, I'm actually doing because there's just so much in this third novel. I have to keep up with it. It's it's definitely not one. I'm, a, I'm about at the 40,000 word mark now. And I think I'm maybe a little over halfway through it. So it's gonna be longer than the first two. And it's definitely more complex than the first two. So can you give us a little sneak peek about what it's about? Oh boy, I don't know how much I should give away <laughs> of what it's about. Um, well, it's about this woman who her childhood, let's let's see how I can how much I can tell without giving it away. It's about childhood. It's about how things that happen to us as children affect us as adults. And it's even more than that, it's how we we affect other people because the way we were affected, if I'm, I'm getting into too much verbiage there with those effects, probably. But it's showing you how you may not understand somebody until you understand their past. And once you understand their past, that will help you have a little bit more acceptance of them. Mm -hmm. it, it's about this one girl. And we go we start off in the in the prologue. She's an adult. And then we very quickly in the first chapter go back to when she's four years old. And so we get to see her entire childhood and her becoming an adult. But then there are people that maybe weren't so nice to her and we get to see their past. So it's lots of lots of characters that we get to go from the present to the past just to help us to understand, like I said before, the hope, the, the, the hope that we have. And also being kind to people, you know, you don't know where people come from and what's caused them to be like they are. So um, when do you expect this one to be out? Oh boy, Ugh. I would think a few more months. I haven't even got the first draft written. You know, my goal was a year. When I finished um, So Much Stays Hidden, I published that back in February, I believe it was, end of January. And I was thinking, okay, in a year, I can have another one out. And then of course COVID came. And I had a little bit more free time and I'm a teacher, like you said. So my school year is just about over my distance. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm using my work days right now. So in about a week, I'll be on summer break and it looks like COVID's going to still be around. So I might get it written and out there a little bit sooner, maybe by the end of the year. I wish I could tell you. I just don't really know. I've already pulled up your um, books on Amazon so people can see what they look like. Your author's page. Um, now, the affordability, they're very affordable. Yeah, they are. And I gave some away back in April. I, I got the idea that I wanted to do these two for Tuesdays. And Amazon will only allow you to do that every so often. And so for four Tuesdays in a row, I gave I gave ebooks away, which was fantastic. I was glad to see so many people um, downloading them and reading them. But yes, I, I have them. I have them pretty low on Amazon. You can only go so low. And um, they're also free on Kindle Unlimited. So mm -hmm. if anybody has that subscription, you can read them that way. I, I, I want readers. I want people to enjoy my stories. And so I'm, I'm making it as affordable as possible. 
Yeah. Would you suggest um, which book should suggest that they read first? You know, they, the, neither book has anything to do with the other. So I really don't think it matters. I wrote Becoming Invisible first. I think it might give readers a taste of my writing, my writing style um, to see if they would like it. I I think you could go with either one, though, because they're standalone novels. But warning by Kleenex. And I know Kleenex are toilet tissue right now or high demand. So maybe <laughs> I hear that from so many people, Melissa, that they cried. I mean, you just don't know how many people tell me that. But yeah, I, I, I know I cried when I wrote them. I cried when I read them. So I, I get it. Okay, so tell us one unusual thing about you that people wouldn't normally know about you that would kind of maybe shock, especially if your students are watching, would shock okay. them. <laughs> All right, well, if my students are watching, my freshmen already know this. Anyone who's taken my freshman English class, my little kids, my sixth graders who I have this semester don't know this. Um, I would think the most unusual thing about me as I started off when you asked me to tell about myself Reading and writing are both very important to me, have been my entire life. I read so, so much. My classroom, if you walk to my classroom right now, all my tables that my children sit at are in the middle of the room, comfortably, they have enough space, but the entire perimeter of my classroom is a library. I have about 3,000 books. I've had donations, written grants, it's phenomenal. It, the kids sixth through 12th grade come and visit my library. I'm known for being a reader. I'm known for loving all kinds of books. I do not like Shakespeare. That is the most unusual thing about me. I am a high school English teacher who teaches Romeo and Juliet. We do the Shakespearean hokey pokey. Those kids are dancing. It is fun. But no, nah, I'm just not that much into Shakespeare at all. Wow. And Shakespeare considered like the greatest probably writer of all time. <laughs> I know. And who am I to say this? But I, I just I just can't get into Shakespeare. Maybe Sorry. it's the way it's written, the language that it's written. Maybe. And maybe I just haven't haven't tried enough. I don't know. But I have been teaching Romeo and Juliet for seven years. So if by this point I still don't like him, oh, not sure I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you mentioned something when you were teaching Romeo and Juliet just a minute ago. What were you doing with your sixth graders? Not my sixth graders, my ninth graders. Ninth graders, excuse me. <laughs> we do the Shakespearean hokey pokey. So, of course, I start off by getting them in a circle and we do the actual hokey pokey. And they think it's hilarious because they remember doing it as a little kid. Then I give them the hokey pokey written in Shakespearean style. So, like you said, that language is hard to understand. And there, I break them up in small groups. I give them a short time period, like 20 minutes, that they can perform it any way they wish but they have to use what I gave them, the script, and they have to dance. And so at first, they're a little bit like, oh, we can't do this. But by the end, they're, they're, they're freshmen. They love to show off. They absolutely love it. That is so, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> did Gracie do that? I'm pretty sure she did. Well, she never told me about it, so I may have to get her to show me. <laughs> You'll have to ask her. We do a lot in freshman English. It is a it's a fun class and it's jam packed. But um, I think most kids remember doing the hokey pokey. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, the English classes at WSC are the ones that Gracie has really like enjoyed the most. As you can see in her interview the other day, she says. Yeah. Miss Jordan or Miss Stewart, Miss Jordan, I can't I always get her maiden name and married name confused. And Miss O'Sullivan and yourself were her favorite yeah. teachers. So, well, English is the best. I'm telling you, reading and writing. Oh my goodness, there's so much I can say. Yep. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, can you tell people where they can find you? I've already put your Amazon up, but where else can they find you? Oh, absolutely. I do have a website, um, sandybrannon.com. I am on Amazon. I am on Facebook, Sandy Brand at Sandy Brandon Author. Um, on my website, I have a blog. On my Facebook page, I post a lot. I'm just I'm such a writer. I can't help myself from posting so much. And I just recently got an Instagram account, which I'm trying to learn how to navigate. And I'm trying desperately to figure out Twitter, but mm, having a little bit of trouble. But I'm I'm getting myself out there. So. And the books are on Amazon, of course. So you can always go to Amazon and find me. Just type in Sandy Brandon and I'll pop up. And you are also self-published as well, right? You published through the Kindle app. Am I correct? I, I did. It's called Kindle Direct Publishing. I did that. I published the first book in September and the second book around January. It's really cool because you just you upload your eBooks and the novels, the paperbacks are print on demand. And I think that's probably another reason why I'm able to keep my, my prices so low. But it's I, I very highly recommend it to anybody who's thinking about writing. It's, it's, I like self-publishing. Okay, now I want you to brag on yourself a minute because you didn't brag on yourself when you were when you were talking about Amazon and you're talking about your books. Okay. What is it? Oh yes, Amazon. So one of those days that I had those Tuesdays, I was giving away my books. I just thought it's April, you know, let's just do something. So I thought let's give my books away every Tuesday. I called it two for Tuesday. The, the first week I gave away about 90 something. I thought that was awesome. Second, third week, not so many, but that's cool. Fourth week, it was going crazy. And every time I would check my report, it would go from like 20 to 40 to 80 to 100 to 200. It was just going off the cha cha um, charts. I couldn't understand why. And so finally that night, I figured out to check my ratings. And I ended up being on the Amazon top 100 bestsellers list for free Kindle in the category of contemporary Christian romance. I have no idea how it happened. I would have never expected to end up on a top 10 on Amazon. It really floored me very humbling. And I'm just so grateful that hundreds of people now have my book and for whatever reason chose to download it. Just great, great news. So which book was it? Was it both of them or? No, it was So Much Stays Hidden. And like I said, I have absolutely no idea what caused people to download it so rapidly. The cool thing about it was when I was looking on the page that has the top 10, I knew the authors around me. Like I recognize the name of the number six and the number eight. And I'm like, Sandy, you're in there with them. Very, um, very humbling. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, because I was like, she needs to brag on herself a little bit. <laughs> I think so much safe hidden is because it's a topic that's definitely in the news now. It's yes, yes. Topic. So. I've actually had um, I had one reader recommend that I write a devotional to go with it. So it could be used like, you know, for young people just as they read the book so they could do a study along with it, which I thought was a nice idea. I don't know when I'll find time to do that, but I thought it was a really cool idea. And I also had another reader tell me she felt like um, every teenage girl needs to read this book. Another huge compliment. So um, my readers are awesome. I love hearing from them. Yeah, every, every teenage girl definitely needs to read that book because yeah. more than, than the other one. I agree. Totally. Yeah. I think the I think becoming invisible will help us appreciate the relationships between mothers and daughters. Um, but it might be a tough read for a teenage girl. It, I think it might be for older people. Um, I don't I don't know. It's been so long since my daughter was a teenager. But I definitely, definitely think so much stays hidden is good for that age group. Well, I think becoming invisible like resonated with me, not only because 
a mom of three girls, but my sister, the circumstances behind one of the main characters happened to my sister. So right, right. So that kind yeah. of that's another thing. If you have like, we don't want to give anything away, obviously. Yeah, that's why I was like, <laughs> yeah, if you have any of the background of any of the characters in either of the two novels, I think it gives you, especially with Becoming Invisible, I think we sort of got into how she felt and maybe the part of her that she was having trouble sharing with others. Mm -hmm. but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Okay, guys, thank you so much, Sandy, for joining us. Thank you. And like I said, you can get Sandy's books on Amazon, Becoming Invisible, and you can also get So Much Stay Hidden and Masquerade. That's a working title or is that a real? Are you uh, well, it started off as Masquerade. And then I said Masquerade, you know, uh, Truth slow, Slowly Revealed. I'm working on the title, but I think I think it's going to end up being Masquerade. And I really hope to have it out within a year. I, I'm working hard. Yeah, just check her author page on Amazon and just kind of follow it. Check the follow page. Yes, please. You know when it's coming up because you're are, are you going to self-publish it again? Or are you going to try and work and do other publishers yet? Are you up in the air about it? No, I'm kind of up in the air about it. I have sent off a, a manuscript of both Becoming Invisible and So Much Stays Hidden, trying to go get a literary agent and go that route. With Masquerade, I'm kind of playing around with the idea of skipping the self-publishing and going straight to sending it off. But then I have so many people who have said to me, when is your third book coming out? I can't wait to read it. And it's really all about the readers. So I'm, I'm kind of torn right now with which way I'm going to go with that. I'll probably self-publish it to get it in hands quicker, to be honest with you. But um, we'll, we'll just see. It, it's, a, it's a tough business to get in if you're, if you're going to try to actually, you know, make a living with it. All right. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you would want care to add? I'm just I appreciate you having me on. I really do. I just every time I sign a book, I have people like I'll have events and people will, you know, walk up to me and buy the books, which still blows my mind. Or they'll ask me to mail them the books. And so, of course, I'm doing a little business through the mail, but they want the book signed. And I'm like, really, you want my, me to sign it? But I always sign it the same way. Happy reading, because that's reading should make you happy. And like I tell my students, people need to read what they enjoy. And they need to enjoy reading. And I just hope everybody listening, I hope you find a good book today. And I hope you can curl up with it and just let that book, you know, take you away for a little bit. Reading okay. is so cool. Okay. Now you talk about book. Do you have a favorite book? Oh, that's so hard. You do not know how many of my students ask me that. Do you have a favorite book? I have maybe uh, a, a favorite top five list that I could, if I had time, I'd have to you know narrow it down. I really like... Um, historical fiction. I really like books that are in the Civil War era and World War II. That is just where I gravitate toward. Probably if I had, if I was forced to say my favorite book, I would have to say Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers, which is her testimony. Mm -hmm. If you've not read it, oh, I highly recommend it. And I just recently found out it's going to be made into a movie next year, which I'm thrilled about. Wow. It is, it is her testimony and it's, um, you just have to read it. It's just so many people have read it. It's a super famous book, but it's one of those books that I like to give people. I'll have parents come in on open house night and they'll see my library and they'll say, Oh, can I check out a book? And if they do, that's the book I reach for here. Check this one out. And I don't care if I get it back. I, I want people to read it. So yeah, Francine Rivers, check out Redeeming Love. Wow. Well, yep. like I said, thank you so much for joining us. And I, 
I'm so happy that I was able to help you get your name out there because I mean, your books are awesome. I'm like a, a avid reader and tissues. Make sure you're not wearing makeup. Make sure you're not going anywhere. Like while you're reading, like if you're in the car going to going driving, going to, well, now you can't go to a restaurant, but if you're going to a restaurant after COVID, don't, don't read it in the car. All right. You're not exaggerating a bit. I will tell you, I really cried every time I read my own books. My husband would say to me, but you created the characters. How are you crying? They're not real, but yeah, you're going to cry. Yep. Okay, guys, tune in. I'm so thankful Sandy came here today. Tune in on Monday when I have Casey Douglas, who's also have a special relationship um, with all three of my girls that you'll find out on Monday. She's also a makeup artist. So see you guys on Monday. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Chats from the Blog Cabin. I hope you learned a lot from Sandy and I hope that you will go straight to Amazon and download her books. I will put them in the show links. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed and keep chatting.